Hey, welcome to Get to Know an Average Joe. Because sometimes when you stop to ask a few questions, you learn incredible things about people. I became accustomed to shifting between two worlds. One was home and the French school, where the language, the culture, the values, the what we do and what we don't do was one reality. And then there is the world at large. I'm your host, Dodie Axelson. Reach me at DodieX on Twitter and let me know what you think of these conversations. And let's get to know an average Joe. Thomas Wavelet, how do you explain yourself to people? So you have a French accent, you're living in Mexico, you moved most recently from Brazil. Give me the uh, background. Well, the background is French, as the accent, uh, I guess, tells. Um, I was born in France, moved as a kid to Africa, and I've been sort of hopping continents and countries pretty much ever since. So, for the last and, and willingly. Well, as a as a child, I really didn't have the choice, right? <laughs> so I had to follow my parents, and I think it 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 sort of grows as a habit. The, the habit that I'm referring to is one where you learn at a very young age to adapt, look, listen, integrate. And it's and it's and it's a very powerful type of incentive, really, because because it's it's so enriching. So I just kept going. So that's a really silver lining uh, view of of hopping around as a kid. Was there a downside? No, not 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 really. I, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you you lose friends, but as a child, you also make friends very very quickly and very easily. It was once difficult when we left Madagascar, and I guess I was twelve years old, 13 years old, 13 years old. Uh, that's, that's the first time where I actually felt about this. But then after that, when we left the next country, which was Gabon, it just became a habit, really. So no, not, not, not really. It clearly sort of limits your ability to relive, you know, sort of childhood memories with your friends. So that's, I realize that I'm missing something. But I, you know, I, I miss it because other people tell me that it's important for me. Yeah, it's par for the course, I guess. How did growing up on the African continent shape you? Ah, that's a great question. Um, God, it's it's very complex. Primarily because the world you live into two worlds, and you and, and I became accustomed to shifting between two worlds. One was home and the French school, where the language, the culture, the values, the what we do and what we don't do was one reality. And then there is the world at large, where the languages are different, the habits and cultures are different, the taboos and what is being rewarded is different. Give me an example. All right, I'm going to give you a very concrete example. In Madagascar, we had a, um, a night watch, and he had a house at the end of the garden. And when my parents would go out for dinner, I'd much rather sort of go there and have dinner with them, him and his wife, he was a young man, probably in his sort of late 20s, um, they came from the southern part of the island, and it's a tribe called the Antandrui. He didn't speak a word of French, barely spoke the word of uh, a few words of the local language called Betsimishak, where we lived in, in the main harbor called Tamatav. And those guys are really steeped in their daily reality with a very tribal lifestyle and value system. And one day, as I was joking, I made a very, very bad joke about which could be interpreted, I guess, and was interpreted as being demeaning to the ancestry, and which was a major, major no-no uh, no 
culturally. And it was very strange because we only had this third, third language in common, which neither he nor I spoke perfectly well. And so you, it, it's, it's, it's one thing that I've stuck with me that, you know, there are certain things, and even though I was a child at the time, I was 12 years old, that there are barriers and lines that you cannot cross. And so building from that an awareness about, again, referring to value systems. So that has served you well as you have moved around the world continually. <clears throat> what do, you, do you give it three years in each country, or what's your time limit? Uh, it's been, it's been uh, uh, changing. I lived many, many years in the UK, which was another challenge, cultural and linguistic, being a Frenchman. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's been varying from seven years in the UK, three years in Holland, six years in New York, ten years in Mexico, six years in Brazil. So, so you're also just talking up the languages. Yes, that's, that's a must. Hardest challenge I faced was actually learning Dutch. And, and Dutch is difficult for tourists. One is because it takes some serious throat muscles to, um, to be able to reproduce the sounds. But more importantly, because they all speak perfect English. But you do realize that living in the country, even though you're in a country like Holland, which is perfectly bilingual, if you don't learn their language, you really don't have a chance to get into their minds. And that's, that's really the most interesting part of, of being there. With all of your cultural experience <clears throat> and all of the places that you've lived and all of the languages you speak, you ultimately chose and married a French woman. Isn't that strange? There's a great um, expression in, in Mexican. Uh, maids, muchachas, always go back to their village to, uh, to get married. So I guess, I guess I'm, I'm fitting into that pattern. You're a muchacha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a muchacho, muchacha, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's puzzling. How did that happen? What's your meat story? Oh, it's the classic one, you know, the, the trap set by a common friend and a dinner in Paris. And, and, you know, caveat, I was married previously to an American lady, so there you go. So you did experience the cross-cultural. <laughs> yes. So, of course, I ask that because Lars and I are both Americans and we are expats. We have the double expat experience in Sweden and in Mexico now. And I think one of the things we enjoy is being able to sing commercial jingles to each other and teaching that to our kids because we share that American cultural background even though we're living somewhere else. Do you and Anne share that? Not really because growing up in Africa we didn't have television. Right. Um, but in some way, some sort of French yes. basis. You know, absolutely. So what we do have definitely in common is, is what I would say sort of the, uh, the classic French educational varnish, right? So... And, and that's deeply rooted, the, the literature, the, the history, references, all of this. You know, you can grow up in a different continent and still be sort of deeply steeped into that sort of collective experience of, of what, you know, of the culture. Your identity still is... And it's, and it's part of the identity, yeah. I guess then the expat experience is just jumping on, on, on the expat experience. For me, it really wasn't an expat experience. It's just the continuing the continuum of living in, in different places. For Anne, it, it has been a, a challenge to adapt to new continents, new languages, because she's born and raised and, and lived in, in France, in Paris, until, until the tender age of, of 33. So I guess it's been more of a, of a challenge to her. You're right, we, we do share that, that, th those aspects in common. What then, which cultural values do you choose to, to carry on with your sons? You have two sons. 
are they, do they identify as French? Do they identify as Brazilian because their young life was in Brazil? They're still young. So, I mean, we can't really have that conversation with them. It's, 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 one is Mexican and the other one is, is Brazilian. So uh, we're rapidly increasing the chances of winning the World Cup. Um, <laughs> and we're counting on the Brazilians, although, although the last time it didn't really work out. The one practical choice that we've made, because one thing that's very important for kids is obviously the educational system. And the one that we are most familiar with, both Anne and I, is the French educational system. We're lucky enough that pretty much anywhere you go in the world, you always find a French school. So because of this familiarity and because of the availability we've decided to, to put them in the French educational system. That will obviously steep them into some of these cultural references. and, and The varnish, as you said. And the varnish. At the same time, there's a great deal of emphasis on multilingualism, on the ability to speak multiple languages. It, it's, you know, kids pick it up so quickly, so easily. They're learning without knowing. So, yeah, they're already speaking three languages. And maybe that's, you know, part of this madness about parents wanting to pass on something to the children is that I'm certainly hoping they won't stop there and will continue. I mean, English is the next one, and who knows, maybe another one after that. What do you do professionally, and how did you become, how did you decide on your profession? I work in telecoms. We can say Ericsson. We can say it. Okay, it's Ericsson. I, I've had other jobs before. I, I worked in completely different businesses when I was working in, uh, in Europe. Then I did a master in the U.S. and worked into consulting, which is amorphous by definition. And Ericsson sort of came into my lap really more than anything else. I was contacted at, at a time when I was looking for a career change. The telecom market was, was buoyant at the time. And Ericsson as a company had a uh, clear leadership position, was making tons of money. So it's been 15 years now, which is a testament of a double street loyalty, which is sort of a strange concept in 2015, right? Corporate loyalty, employee loyalty, very old fashioned of me to say that. But it's been good. But you don't say it in a dissatisfied way. You... No, 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 not at all. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in loyalty. What do you suppose is the next big change in your life? My eldest son just turned nine today. Um, it's his birthday. And the youngest one is a year and a half younger. So the big challenge going forward is going to bring them for the next 11 or so years to the age of 20. I think that's going to be... The, uh, the pièce de résistance, as we say in French. And how are you ready to do that? So my boys are 12, and I'm so afraid of that first girlfriend or first, you know, that dating experience. I'm not scared about them experiencing love, even though it can be a, a, a tricky journey. But that, that... That's very French of you <laughs> and very American of me. <laughs> yeah, worse things can happen in my book. Like you, I don't have, I don't have the recipe. I don't have the... Um, takes an incredible amount of energy, uh, listening, watching, uh, awareness, um, patience, and, um, and a lot of dialogue with, with the spouse. I think, you know, you, you, I, we're just figuring it out as we go along, to be honest. Buckle up. Yeah, exactly. Never a dull moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Now we know a little bit more about Thomas Wavelet. Next time, we'll hear from Amber Alberti. Once a dancer, always a dancer, even if you're stuck in an office job. Just moving in some way that you're not supposed to move, it's this very footloose thing where like dancing is taboo and moving and being comfortable with movement is, is odd. 
please subscribe to Get to Know an Average Joe and let me know what you think. And now, if you'll excuse me,